Welcome everyone through all time and space to an all new episode of Weebs on the Weekends, a podcast where we break down anime news highlights of the week and give a retrospective look at anime that premiered 10 years ago. Today's episode will be covering the three episode test for 2021 spring anime season and give our thoughts on whether to resurrect or rebury the 2011 anime Nichijo My Ordinary Life. My name is Jay Johnson, a part-time weave and full-time English language sensei, and with me, as always, is my co-host Sam Martinez, part-time weave and full-time automobile mechanic. Now, Sam, I am so upset with myself because there were so many anime that we talked about in the previous episode that were happening in the season and like were kind of exhausted from the winter season, which was packed with like some of the all-time greats. <laughs> I mean, exactly. modern gates greats and it's weird that maybe the season was supposed to be like maybe a reprieve for some anime viewers but it felt like one for me like you said it was a good welcome break oh good 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 and i was wondering why i hadn't gotten to so many of the anime i was excited for and the reason is because i'm watching invincible i'm watching parasite or revisiting parasite the maxim I'm watching or revisiting Young Justice because there was a announcement for a new season recently. And I'm watching or did watch uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So my life has been consuming so much television in the quarantine, I think for the first time, really, and like the whole, um, you know, big C going on world. But Sam, how has your spring season gone so far for you? As I said earlier, it seems to be a bit of a reprieve. I, too, am watching The Winter Soldier and Invisible, as you had mentioned. With the list, the amount of anime being reduced, I have been able to catch up on my anime season. I do, for, for, from my perspective, I do think that it's a good thing that you're able to finally experience a little bit of casual quarantine life because you have been... Uh, one speed go this entire time. It seems like you haven't had a chance to really sit down and relax a little bit. So I was going to give you some uh, Oh My Senpai lists for you to do to pray to the anime Pope, but it's you, you definitely needed that bit of a break. Yeah, thank you, Sam. I'm glad you're considerate of my hard life that I live as a teacher. But yes, and yeah, it's funny that uh, just celebrated for... 100 days of quarantine, even though it's hasn't really felt like that because there's been like intermediate intermediate breaks and just like long stretches of, yeah, no one really cares because we have low uh, transmission rates in my country. So it's like, yes, the big C is happening, but it's not really affecting us until very recently where our numbers jumped up so high. The government was like, yeah, stop all of your fun having, put all sheets over alcohol in the supermarkets, no one go out, no one have fun, stop living life. So yeah, good times, man, good times. But yeah, Sam, we're talking about yes. the spring season and giving a fair shot to the anime that we were interested in, the three episode test, see what passed, see what failed. But time codes are going to be in the description as always. So Sam, would you like to start us off with maybe an anime that passed, failed, or you're still considering watching? Let's... I yeah I want to say let, let's 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 think about like the consideration I want to start like with the well I, I want to go like I want to go from bad to good if that's okay I want to uh, start out with uh, a couple of my failures here it would be uh I'm I'm, I'm trying to pronounce this guy because they don't really pronounce it all that well in the anime Sestivus Sestiv 
Sisyphus, the Roman fighter, and Eden Zero. Those guys kind of failed for me. Oh, wow. Okay, so you watched past episode one of Eden Zero? No, I didn't. <laughs> mainly, mainly because I didn't get past chapter two in Eden Zero. I didn't think that Eden Zero was going to catch me to begin with. If the anime is going to be anything like the manga, it's it's not going to grab my attention. It's probably going to be good for those diehard fairy tale fans. That's all about the power of friendship. However, fairy tale had a more diverse cast. Whether or not that's to be seen in episode two and three, that could very well be the case. But it it just didn't grab me. For Sestivus, that was a an anime I was looking forward to that I mentioned in our previous episodes, where essentially it focuses on a Roman slave who goes into the sport of boxing. It's a little bit of shop talk box, mainly when box, it, it, you know, giving the background and the history for boxing, and because I have become because I have some experience in martial arts, and I'm starting to get more acquainted with uh, different combat sports such as UFC and boxing. This was going to be one of the things that I really watched, and this was the show that I had mentioned before that has the technology of 2020 but acts that has given me animation that's worse than code lyoko bro like that's that's how bad this was and i had high hopes yeah so yeah uh you mentioned that before and i kept that off my list i was like i'm not going to abuse my eyes when i have other things to watch but yeah the one thing i want to say about eden zero is that it did have a great end tag where they tease basically how big the story might get potentially very much in the Brian K. Vaughn way of saga teasing, like how there might be celestial beings in the world. And even with the power set that the main character shows off feels very OP off the start, but there might be like a 10 rings kind of situation from the Iron Man mythology is like, Oh, maybe he has like 10 different separate abilities and he needs to, either master them or he might lose them. So it's very much like Happy is from, Happy's like just transplanted right into Eden Zero, as well as there's a Lucy character who's just a YouTuber essentially. But yeah, it didn't catch me after we watched episode one either, except for that end tag. So yeah, I'm glad to drop yeah. both of those. <laughs> no, I, I uh, as, as you mentioned earlier, like the, the power sets and the action, it's very, very well done. However, it, it the the first couple uh, sh- uh the the first episode it didn't really give me a good amount of uh, characterization in the supporting cast along with uh, the main character. I mean, as you said, like there was there was a YouTuber and that would frame things a bit differently, but they made it seem as though that it was just going to be him, her, and Happy. Whereas in Fairy Tale, there was an ensemble of people that you can bounce off of. So th- that's that's why I was uh, sort of um, uh, deterred from going here. So what about you, Jay? What were some of the anime that you had failed your test? Yeah, so actually to say that maybe I don't have as many failures as you do, but just yeah. ones that I watched one episode of and just dropped. So the new Shaman King uh, remake, reboot, um, 
did mm-hmm. I just dropped it because you did mention something that I found very interesting. Like it is again a retelling of the Shaman King story from a more complete viewpoint because now the manga has wrapped up. But again, like it has some very weird pacing that doesn't divorce itself far enough from the original adaptation that it still sticks in your mind because we grew up in that time where Shaman King was like the show to watch. And, you know, we maybe your first manga and you're like, oh, yeah, I can summon a ghost, too. And it like kind of give you like this kind of soft paranormal feeling of like, oh, yeah, ghost, of course. But yeah, it's one of those that I just didn't pick up again. And I have really no interest in really seeing through to the end to see how Shaman King actually wraps up in earnest. So that's when I dropped. Let's just call it a failure because I didn't even get to the three episode test of it. But yeah, for right now, that's pretty much my only one that I would say failed because I was solely unimpressed. I would say it's kind of for that reason why it's in my interested category. If I can uh, jump into that real quick, mainly because like, like you said, like the pacing was a bit different and re-watching some of those stuff like i was loosely into shaman king i knew of it i didn't follow it as much as some of my other friends but i i knew a bit of the characters i got a bit of the story and as i'm watching this it's kind of funny because i'm seeing like the stark uh the contrast in the original Japanese versus the four kids version. For instance, there was a ghost that essentially lived his life. The one way that he survived a famine was by essentially eating his mom. And it was just like, holy crap, Shaman King was this hardcore. I don't think anything like this, you know, uh, survived the translation when it was brought here to the West. So I I just want to see like what it's going to be like when it starts getting to that point where it's deep in the tournament and it's getting into territory that hasn't been animated again. So that's at least like why I have it interested. You have thoughts, Jay? Well, yeah, because you just mentioned about Shaman King and I was like, Oh, of course, I forgot what failed my three-episode test is because it's so terrible, but SSS Dinan Zenon just failed so hard. Like, it is on the level of bad of, I'm going to fall asleep watching this. I need to, there is nothing engaging at all with the characters. It's a beautiful thing. It's by Studio Trigger, so of course it's beautiful. It's not pro main pretty but it is the character design is gorgeous and like they do something very special detail to the eyes and irises of the characters but whatever the overarching uh, overarching plot is in the first three episodes you really don't even get a sense of it you get introduced to villains but they're like literally they stand in front of the bad guys and then the good guys could easily just blow them away, but they don't. So it was like very small, poor writing choices to kind of make you feel invested. Cause like the main girl has some kind of angsty relationship with her dead sister. And then there's like some hint at the third episode, like, Oh, anything is possible. If you have this mech, you mean that we can raise the dead possibly. So the only reason I would revisit this is like, if, 
someone like SSS Gridman said, oh, it pays off the in the end, but yeah, Dino Xenon failed hard for me. How are you feeling about Dino Xenon? No, I, I agree with you there. At least with SSS Gridman, you had incentive because the main character, he had amnesia. He didn't know who he was. He was exploring the world. You had these characters who knew who he was. So he's trying to figure out who he is through other people. So you have that mystery, whereas the mystery with the sister dying, it's it's a it's a good mystery, but it's not something that would compel you to keep watching. The mystery of I forgot his name, the guy with the orange hair that basically forms Dine Zenon to begin with. His relationship with the quote unquote bad guys, him being a kaiju user or a kaiju manipulator. He doesn't really explain it, and it's his part of his personality, which I can understand, but it doesn't really give us as the audience enough of an incentive to keep on watching to see how you know what's what's going to happen with the mystery because we get one of the characters that actually sits down with the quote unquote bad guys and have a conversation, but he infuriates me because he asks all the wrong freaking questions it's like Dude, you're you're having a conversation with the opposing force. Why are you asking non-relevant questions? Or you're asking questions that makes it that 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 muddles up the water for you even more. So it's uh, it, 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 that that's what was a bit frustrating to me. So I will probably wait, like you said, see what the reviews are, and then go back and finish watching it. One. Other anime that I have in my interested category, and then we can keep on going, is uh, Kyoko Yoko Shinka Shita Full Drive RPG. Uh, basically, uh, full, dr- uh, full Drive RPG is worse than real life. I think I might have mentioned to, this to you in passing, Jay, but essentially the premise of this show is that this kid buys a VR game and it's an RPG world that essentially plays like Undertale in the sense that it takes all the tropes of an RPG, flips it on its head, and essentially makes your decisions last throughout the entire game. The one thing that was interesting was that this kid had trauma going into the game, and essentially that trauma was recreated. However, you don't know until the third episode. My only complaint is that unlike Jobless Reincarnation, even though it explained the trauma, it's sort of just it, it's sort of just spoken about and then pushed to the side and not really worked through. Maybe that's what they're going to do in the uh later episodes but i'm interested to see what they're going to do about this at least just to see if it's going to be worth it uh following this show to the end do you have any other anime that is in between the fail and the past for you that you're kind of interested to see where it's going to go or are you more of i'm not on the fence guy it's either a or b 
there's no middle ground here. Yeah, so I have four in the <laughs> on the fence right. about. So Full Drive made my uh, list of interested new series that I want to check out eventually because I very yes. much like the idea that he feels pain in the game, and I think that was a key feature and what attracted me to that concept because you know you kind of get over inundated with the whole VR. Uh, anime recently in like trends so i mean you can go back to sort of online kind of starting that even with log horizon um last season but really what kind of pulled me into that first episode was the game storekeeper uh when he goes to buy the game and she basically swindles him out of his money saying oh buy this game instead and I just enjoyed their interaction and everything that led up to his first dive into the game and just understanding like, uh-huh. oh, this game is going to be dangerous for him. And that real sense of danger really makes a character compelling if they're going to keep playing a game, even though there's real risk to their body or even to their mental stability, especially as you said, like he has some trauma that he's dealing with. but. Um, you see, so maybe uh, you said, you know, the three episode ruling test. So I'm looking forward to this if I come back to it. Uh, there's also 86, which is okay. a mecha uh, series that came out this season with Haruyuki Sawano uh, as the main composer. So uh, Sawano is coming back to compose music for a mecha. So, of course, I'm going to check it out. And it's by A1 yes. Pictures. So all that is like above board for me. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll check it out eventually. There is VV, which is a studio wit or wit studio property, which has the creator of ReZero as its chief writer. So I'm like, oh yeah, of course I want to see more about uh, properties from the uh, writer of ReZero because he does suspense, he does trauma he does psychological horror so well or sorry the writer does and this has like a very blade runner vibe to it and there's a time travel element to it as well and okay. plus studio wit does wit studio does so much beautiful animation that is up there with like mappa and uh, we'll talk about kyoto animation later on today but in the episode and then lastly is the Combats will be uh, dis. Why do I always forget the last word in this title? It's combatants yeah, will combatants. be dispatched, dispatched. And again, this is by the creator of Konosuba, and animated by JC Staff. And the dude is such a Chad version of uh, Kazuma from uh, Konosuba. It's just hilarious to see how you know that personality can translate into different uh, genres essentially so there's a lot of lewdness that's upped it feels very much a step up with the age restriction for from konosuba but i'm enjoying the first episode and i'm looking forward to the next but sam uh do you want to go into what passed or failed or have we already gone to your fail so you want to go into your past We, we could go into my past. I, I just want to say with the combatants that's dispensed, I'm having a little bit of a hard time watching it, mainly because it feels like Invader Zim. And I'm, I'm, I'm used to Invader Zim where it's essentially just like uh, a plan of the week 
whereas this one it's more of like a we have like this one long overarching plan so like it, like you said like with with the comedy it's pretty good there but we we can go on to my past now so we can uh just start out with a couple of the lesser known ones the world without you is based off the video game and it's been, pretty much been a fun romp so far and uh talking about death and uh, a game on how to essentially beat death and understand why certain people die it's been very very interesting all right sweet so uh some of my simple passes because i yes. have an anime that i really want to talk about for a long time and i think we're running out of time but yes. my hero academia of course season five premiered the season and it's par on core with the manga there's some like very small subtle changes that really makes it like one of those anime that you have to watch you have to continue to see because even though i'm not the biggest fan of the series it's still an enjoyable ride and it's like that that comfortable shonen that you want to keep up with every season there is my number one pick for the season which was welcome to demon school irmakun which mm. has been so improved by little changes to its animation style it's just making me fall in love with the series over again. And it makes okay. me want to read the manga again. And it's like very little subtle things like of like popping out their characters in this very simple comic style or uh, intensifying some of the colors of certain characters at certain moments. So they're playing up the comedic aspect a little bit stronger than they did last season. And I think that's probably in response to his popularity is that they can lean a little bit more into what makes the manga so so engaging. So those are the ones that are saying just are going to uh, pass and I'm going to keep watching. And then there's like animes of the season, I think. So Sam, I want to say that To Your Eternity also made your pass. Yes, it did. Is that the anime you want to talk about? Yes, because <laughs> Sam, Let's talk about oh, it. oh my gosh. Just to say that I'm glad you talked about it. It was on your list um, because I would have checked it out because it was really nothing that caught my attention. Like it's synapses is like really not the best and it's like attraction to make you check it out. But it is 20 episodes or at least 20 episodes are scheduled. It's it is animated by studio Brain Base, which we know because they did Durara. But the thing about keeps you so engaged with it is that it's an odd mixture between Dororo and Princess Mononoke. It has a lot of like tribalistic feels in how desperate like the main character is. And again, like you've said it before, like it's a story of an extraterrestrial coming to Earth to kind of figure out what life is. And like, that's like a yes. hard thing to sell. But when you say, oh, no, it's like this immortal being that has to fight a demon bear and <laughs> has like strong Princess Mononoke vibes of like tribal communities and the loneliness of like exploring the wilderness. And the animation is like on level of like Vinland Saga. And I thought it was like a, another Wit Studio production, but no, it's brain based. And I'm like what has brain base been doing for like the past <laughs> five years that made them come out with a property like this. And it's just so like literally after 
there's a death in like the first three episodes, but it's like it's it hurts. It hurts in a way that it makes you numb to like the experience that you just had. And I haven't felt that in a very long time. And you see how excited I am talking about it because it is so engaging in the tragic nature of life that you want to see this immortal creature kind of process that because like, again, he's learning very much like the main character in Durara coming to that emotional development of what it means to be human. So Sam, how about you? How are you feeling after this soul crushing series? No, I, I definitely uh, uh, agree with what you're saying. The show in a very short amount of time with a character and not many shows can do this where they can introduce a character can give you an emotional tie essentially kill off the character the same episode that they introduce you in but give you so much emotional ties to that character what that character has been through and make you feel it's just written very very well i also love in the subsequent episode where you have essentially the immortal uh, figure, how the immortal figure was quote unquote killed because the, the figure takes on the image on what impacted it the most. So he's walking around in the wilderness and then you have the demon bear kill him six times. And you have the narrator saying he died six times in the last two weeks, but that wasn't the problem. You know, essentially, you know, like saying that he was missing something to what it means uh, to live and seeing him run into other characters that are also in life or death situations and him learning from them, essentially just like compounding everything that he's learned up until that point. Whereas you can see how the first characters that he ran into, like still affect him, even though he's learning from newer characters. I want to say that that's something that I really do appreciate. And I'm also interested on where the story is going to go because I think the intro did spoil us to some imagery, but without context. So it's just giving me more fuel to keep on moving. Right. And it's based off a manga series. So they probably have a good, you know, foundation to take it for the 20 episodes and like have a complete story. And it's not just coming you know, from nothing. So yeah, so To Your Eternity has a chance of being anime of the season. And, you know, it's pretty up there and like competing against the anime that came out last season. But the other one that I want to talk about, and I think probably has a big need to talk about it is Don't. See, even with the title is a little problematic because with the Japanese, I actually had a co-worker of mine kind of translate and tell me, oh, here's this Japanese word. Tell me what first comes to mind when you read it how would you translate this word and they said okay the word would be tease so the anime title is don't tease me miss nagatoro yeah and it's odd that my coworker said that because if you put the word into google translate it gives you the word bully but then the second translation is toy and then I've seen on my anime list that the correct title has, as they list it, is Toy. And yes. it's such an odd anime. For one, it's animated by Telecom Animation that did um, Tower of God. It has 12 episodes. It has a manga series. 
And they're like such strong BDSM vibes from this. It's it's funny you say that, uh, if, 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 if I may, because I, I did a deep dive on uh, this series. Before I go into an exposition dump, is there anything else that you wanted to say? Oh, I just wanted to mention that this whole trend of female or girl protagonists teasing their male counterpart has been like a weird trend in the past couple of years because there was teasing master uh, Tagashi Tagaki-san in 2018. Last season, there was, or actually last year, there was uh, Uzaki-chan wants to hang out. And that was known for her big, uh, how would you say it? Big titties, I guess. (laughs) It was odd. It's it's still bothers me because like this weird trend of these fangirls, like fangirls has become like the nomenclature for them. They have this little fleshy thing on their lips and then. Or uh, very pronounced canines. Yeah. Or that you have pronounced canines. And um, it's a weird trend that maybe is emerging for a certain reason. But again, I haven't gone into that but sam do you want to soapbox for a minute about this because i feel a certain way about this particularly because there is a perspective of weird gender inequality in this series that it's kind of promoting and i think that's something that people are reading into it because even before this anime premiere there was a lot of talk about getting canceled based off of the mistranslation of it the premise and also the mistranslation of don't bully me and bullying is that aggressive form of teasing which has that negative connotation but when you look at the three episodes and that's why i gave the series as a pass because you get this equal pining between the two main leads and that even though it is teasing that Nagatoro teases the main character. I don't even know his name. It's not even important. But that, 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 that's that's the point. He he's just referred to as senpai throughout the yeah, entire franchise. Well, oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, so it's kind of a uh, disassociation of a person going on as well. If you're going to read in it to it very critically, but just the idea that they are teenagers and Nagatoro is working through what teasing affection love friendship is all at the same time and it's a very mature thing perspective to give like oh you shouldn't tease people you shouldn't bully people but that's also a means of social building of getting out of that because kids are quote-unquote assholes for a reason (laughs) that they don't actually understand human relations and they don't know how to express themselves Right. And even in the three episodes, by the end of it, you get this sense of, oh, she has feelings for him, but she doesn't know or doesn't even know the language to express it properly. All she knows is the influence of her other friends that are bullies. And when she does stand up to her friends for bullying senpai, it's like, oh, she's recognizing that it's wrong but she doesn't know how to correct it. So, Sam, I just stood on the soapbox. What's your soapbox? No, essentially, so uh, uh, I did a big deep dive 
because uh, for some reason I'm just drawn to this franchise. I don't know if it's because it's a girl of color that's being a main uh, romantic lead in a anime, anime or because of some of the comedic aspects to it because there is some good comedy in there. But essentially, it did start out as Don't Bully Me, Nagatoro-san, uh, where it started out as a webcomic where it was heavily influenced by B and, uh, BDSM, as you had mentioned earlier, and it was really, really hardcore. And then it was uh, re uh, given an iteration, a manga iteration, where it was very, very light, or it was much lighter, and then going into the anime. Because I had read the manga, and I know how uh, intense the bullying can get, I was very uh, apprehensive. But seeing the three episodes, they've watered it down a little bit more. And as you said, they make it more apparent that she's trying to work through her feelings. And that's mainly, it's also because of her friends, and also because of her background, because if you learn in the first episode, she has a background in martial arts. So that's how she expresses herself, because that's a big interest of her. So that's how she knows how to emote to other people. And even to her friends, she hasn't shown any interest to guys up until that point. So she first sees this guy where she sees something in him that she that she likes and that she admires. And so she's doing the best that she can to convey those feelings to him, which is through a physical touch or um, teasing that she's learned from her friends. So it's like she's trying to work through that. And you also see that she's also respective of his boundaries, where if she goes too far, she'll say sorry, right? And when she does... When she does, quote-unquote, tease him, it's only when those two are together, never when there's other people around. So it's not like she's trying to put him down in front of other people. So it's sort of like that she's trying to figure out how to flirty tease, and it comes off as bullying because she has a big background in combat sports. And I've uh, we, we, we have some other animes uh, that we could talk about that passed, but I feel as though that we should probably uh, talk about the main events of this episode. What do you say, Jay? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I run a little bit long on talking about, you know, them and what we're enjoying. But just wanted to last mention just because it's my last yes. pass is because it surprised me so much that it's the – Japanese title, of course, is not of course, but it is Higa Hiro, which translates to I shaved and brought home a high school girl. And I just want to mention this. I just wanted to mention this because it is such a heartfelt story of basically a runaway girl. And that's something that's not ever really discussed in Japanese culture is that they have a giant adolescent homeless problem, runaway problem. And it feels very core to this anime in that a salary man just sees a high school girl on the street and basically accepts her into his home. And then they develop a relationship from there. It's very much a dynamic of a older brother, younger sister dynamic. And it can be seen from like an outsider perspective of, oh, it's going to get very exploitative maybe but it does go in the immediate direction of I'm a, a 27 year old is seeing this 18 year old and he's like, 
has a very strong heart to heart to her. Like I'm attracted, I'm not attracted to young girls. And it's like, they play up the comedy aspect of the situation, but also delve into that interpersonal need that he's a loner and she's in trouble and has some trauma that she's working through and that she can't go home and she needs a home. And he's a sincere guy in, oh, I let me help you because I'm an altruist. I'm a good guy, not a nice guy, but a genuinely nice guy. So I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. That, that that's interesting that you mentioned that because now that now that you say that like the movie Tokyo Godfathers, one of the homeless people that you follow is a homeless teenager. I didn't realize that that was a big problem because in Western media you always have that one kid that ran away from home because of some silly nonsensical first world problems that happened. I didn't realize that that was a huge thing over there in Japan where you that they're, most of their homeless population is, are uh, teenagers. So that, that's, that's a very interesting that you had mentioned that. Right. And it's based off a light novel series. So I hope they continue it. Um, well, it's a self-contained story. So, but it does have like a standing again, talking about source material. But that's for the spring anime season, Sam. Now we're moving on to uh, Nichi Joe, My Ordinary Life, which was your pick for this 10-year discussion. So, Sam, I've never seen this anime before. I've seen clips from it and have laughed my head off about it. But, Sam, why did you pick this? So, it was just interesting because, again, this is when we were in school and this was also up and coming. I was exposed to this show along with uh, the other show, which I always related to. The Normal Day of High School Boys, which came out a couple years before this one. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I want to say two years ago, I tried watching uh, the first season of it because I I just wanted uh, a real good, nice laugh. And I feel as though that we need to at least look at this show again, mainly because of the type of comedy that was done. We don't really see normal types of comedy like this nowadays. It's usually paired up with something such as Isekai that we've seen in Konosuba. Or I'm trying to think. There was another... Or or say like Odd Taxi, right? Where it's essentially a another world type thing. Or the combatants will be dispatched. Where the comedy is paired up with something else. It's not necessarily an everyday life occurrence that we would see like in Brooklyn Nine-Nine or in The Office or one of our previous shows that we have seen uh, earlier, which was Working. So we we don't really get many of slice of life, uh, everyday stuff that's just comedy for comedy. It's usually paired up with something else. So I thought that it would be nice to uh, readdress this franchise. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So do you have a summary for for us? Because it's really hard to put into words what's going on because this show lives and dies on vignettes, which are just basically little skits, self-contained stories with a, you know, beginning, middle and end. So, yeah. How would you give us a summary about this? So I always I start by saying that I would definitely look into it or look at it like a Sunday newspaper comic come to life like Calvin and Hobbes or not necessarily the Boondocks TV show, but if you could think about like the Boondocks comics and you know, like Peanuts where it's vignettes like that, 
It it's essentially focuses on a trio of uh, high school girls, Miro Nagahoro, Yukio Aoi, and Mai Minakami. And their stories intertwined with a young genius known as Hakase Shinonome and her robot caretaker, Nanako, with their talking cat, Sakamoto. Essentially just little blurbs of their life going through high school and uh, just a little bit of their antics that they go through. The story is known, sorry, the genres that uh, this uh, anime is known for is Slice of Life, Comedy School, Shonen. Its rating is PG-13. It also can be found on Funimation and Amazon. One other thing, too, in the show is that it's uh, they splice in a ses- uh, subsequent work of the author, which is known as Helvetica Standard. So along with the vignettes of the different stories that we get with Mio, Yuki, and the gang, I'm sorry, Yuko and the gang, we also get uh, pauses uh, with skits from Helvetica Standard, which is essentially supposed to be a deep dive construction of the world of Joe, and it's still played off as a comedy. Uh, one thing that I found that was kind of interesting was that it didn't, it, because uh, America didn't really get the license to see it until, like, it, it was trying to be released in 2011, but then it was canceled due to downsizing, and it wasn't released here stateside in English until 2016, where... All in between that time, other countries such as Australia and New Zealand were still able to get it. Also, uh, this show has mixed reviews in its comedy. When it first came out, it was praised in the West for being good. But then uh, near the end of the show is criticized for its inconsistency, only to have uh, reviewers have a retrospective take on it and say, okay, it's good again. So... Jay, uh, what were your th- ha- did you know anything about uh, these reviews? Do you see the fact that it's inconsistent? Do you think that hold any weight? What what are your thoughts? As I only watched three episodes of its twenty six episode run, I can't really say anything about its consistency yet. But with the skits that goes on, it's very engaging in like the variety of what's going on in the world, and I want to kind of like break that down to why because comedy is like hey, one of go those ahead, things, go ahead. yeah it's just one of those things that is entirely subjective you can't really recommend a comedy you can only just qualify it as oh i found this very funny you can't really break down like a joke because then it ruins the joke essentially and all the skits kind of do a extension of itself meaning that it sets up the joke, it pays the joke off, and then keeps the joke running, essentially. So yes. it's very absurd in how long it can use this like small bit of space. Every episode is only 23 episodes, or sorry, 23 minutes, but basically every episode had like maybe five or six sketches that feels so interconnected, even though they're not featuring the same characters every single time. And you get a brief glimpse in these three episodes of like how large the town is. I forgot to get the town's name, but the thing that really shocked me the most when I was looking at the comedy itself, it feels very much like Gravity Falls in that every character that you see in these first three episodes feels like a main character. They feel 
yes. like they're living their own life. They feel like if the camera stops pointing at our th- a trio or technically our two trios, that it's going to be just as interesting on the other side. So there's a class president or class leader essentially that rides to go to school and you see him just scooting his, you see him scooting his goat in the background of some scenes and then he has a scene actually at school when he gets shot in the head so a lot of the comedy does stem from this absurd sense of imagination probably on the girl's part is that it's so fantastical it's so absurd so very much like you said another iteration of this was Daily Life of High School Boys, which kind of does the same thing, but not as well. I think High School Boys is a little bit more inconsistent uh, in its execution yes. of comedy. But for these first three episodes, it's just solid. And the Forbes magazine mentioned that this is one of the top five anime of this year and put it in the top 25 anime of the decade. So. Okay. This with Onahana is like one of those top five. So the 2011 is just a packed year of apparently just masterpiece of anime. And it's hard to say if Nichijou is a masterpiece right now, but I definitely want to keep watching it. So Sam, how are you feeling after these first three episodes revisiting? I I agree with what you said. Like every character that you see in, in the trio and even some of the main characters, and this is something that I mentioned in Blue Exorcist as well that they did well with the main with the side characters. They feel like people in their own right. You see these individuals, like this one individual who has this giant afro, or this other individual who has a mohawk. Like they, even though like they have like that thing, like they still feel like people, right? It's just, it's just like that was just like a uniqueness that was uh, spe- specified to them. I also do appreciate the wordplay. To, because did you watch the Japanese or the English? The Japanese. Because one thing that I, one thing that I, I I thought that was kind of interesting to me because it, it might be a little bit funnier in Japanese because the little girl character who has the trench coat they refer to her as Hakase and I watched the English dub right so everybody refers to her as Hakase but Hakase means doctor in Japanese. So it made me think it's like, okay, in English, that's her name. But in Japanese, I guess like what what's uh, when we were talking about uh, Nagatoro, uh, 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 where Senpai, right? She just refers to him as Senpai, like that's like his title. That's him. Whereas in the Japanese, like they would just refer to the girl as Hakase. It's like we don't know her name. So it's I just find it funny where it's like, is that actually her name or are they just referring to her at, to that as her title? So just stuff like that. And I also appreciate, like you said, the interconnectedness of the comedic scenes where we have in the first episode, there's this huge explosion when we're following the robot girl. And then we go to the high school girls and it's literally moments after the explosion and like oh was that thunder i wish i brought my umbrella today it's like oh like this is the events happening in tandem it was just i really love the interconnectedness of that i also like how the intro also preps you for how energetic and even a bit of the comedy because 
this this is one thing that I've realized in uh, watching the the intro is because even in the the the, the intro is in Japanese for the English dub, and even in the intro, it's funny because it has it's essentially a dialogue between two people. Like it starts off as a narration, and then it sort of takes like on this Monty Python type thing where it's like these two people, like they have a conversation amongst themselves and you have that in parallel with the images that are on the screen. And it sort of reflects what the characters are going through in those images, but it's still standalone and it still can be referred to the narrative narrative characters and their situations and their feelings in their own scenes. And uh, the images are just sort of paralleling them. They, as I said, they can be standalone or they can be good mixed together. So I really do appreciate what they, what has been done. I really do appreciate the writing and the characters, the zaniness. Yeah, no, for sure. Because like even with that opening, like again, Nichi, uh, Nichi Joe is one of those. Oh, this is like this is for the cultured weeb or cultured otaku that in the OP you see that again, like they get introduced through basically a totem essentially, but then that totem leads into a different character. So like it's a zoom in to the to- uh, totem showing that they're interconnected. So that's why I kind of made that parallel to Gravity Falls is that Gravity Falls is a place, but it has character because of its residents and all the residents are connected or thread together in some kind of narrative way. And I very much appreciate that because this is a property by Kyoto Animation or Kyo Annie for short, and they're known for all their Moe properties. They kind of push the Moe Moe kind of trend or wave in the early 2000s. They did Lucky Star, they did Clan Ann, they did K-On. And everything that I see, even in these first three episodes, I see later in uh, Miss Kobayashi's Maid Cafe, or Maid... I always say Maid Cafe, but it's just Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. And the whole sense of community and family, even between these, or more specifically with the professor, the genius, the robot... And the cat, because they adopt the cat and they're like, oh, I'm going to make the scarf that makes you talk. And the cat has, at least for the Japanese, he has like a very deep um, one for all voice. Not one for yes. all, all for one voice. Oh. And it's very like, it's that contrast of a cute animal and like a very deep satanic voice almost. <laughs> but you do get that relationship of friendship very strongly between the three the trio because each of them have their personality types. One of them is the quiet. Uh, I don't know if she's a kundere yet because she doesn't really have any really spoken lines. She's just a mute essentially, but she also has like a skill set. And then there's Mio, I think, or Yuo. You see, now I'm getting all the names. Wait, which too. one are you thinking about? Are you thinking about the pigtails? Or are you thinking I'm, about the brunette? I'm thinking of the one that does uh, eroge, not eroge. But oh, she that's does, Mio. That's yeah, Mio. Mio. Mio, she does uh, arrow doujinshi, essentially. She draws um, erotic version of her male, <laughs> male uh, yes. classmates. And like yes. that very small thing just really endears you to her character because she knows what she's doing is wrong, but 
she has to keep it a secret because it's obviously wrong, but she won't stop doing it. So I'm very <laughs> interested in that kind of that real sense of, oh, these are high school girls. Of course, they would be doing things like that. But then it's driven to absurdity with even in the first episode, she drops like a little sausage with her chopsticks. Oh, yeah. When, when Yukio is try, 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 trying to eat the sausage. The, oh, yeah, it's yeah. And so, she goes, so funny. She essentially goes Super Saiyan to try to... Try, like, to, try, try to try to pick up the sausage. It's like... Yeah. yeah, and then she tries to grab scene. it, and then it gets pushed in someone else's forehead. But that's what I'm saying. Like Every skit has these moments of levity because it's so human, but it's so... like everyday mundane it's like oh these girls are just eating lunch out of their bentos and one of them dropped a, a sausage octopus and of course that's just something that happens in real life you you drop your food and it's just like yes. endearing in that sense of you're just going about your life it's so casual that they're placing comedy on it and that's what i mentioned earlier it feels like all these exaggerations in like going Super Saiyan for dropping sausage feels like it's their imagination, but it's just every single character does that. Cause like the president is riding a goat into class. Um, there's like crazy dogs doing like different things in the backgrounds. And it's like all just there. It's all just normal to them. And, you know, it's just enjoyable to watch for that reason. I also wanted to uh, – when you, when you talked about the juxtaposition, right? Mm. When the cat having – you know, a, a cute-looking animal and having this deep, vo dark voice, you see that in the – I think he's either like the class representative or the class vice president, the, the guy who rides the goat to school. You think that he is a hoity-toity rich kid, but he's just a farmer. Which just makes it that much better because like that goat, like he thinks about that goat as family and he's talking to a teacher and the teacher's like, yo, I know that uh, it's not in the school rules, but why do you have to ride a goat to school? And the goat and the guy's like, the goat's name is so-and-so. I would prefer if you called him so-and-so. And the teacher's like, no, I'm not going to because he's a goat. And, you know, it's, it's just a little bit funny that back and forth, even seeing him go to the bathroom. He has this, essentially, this manservant that takes off his pants for him so he can go and pee, puts his pants back on, washes his hands for him, fluffs his hair and things like that. It's just like that, just that juxtaposition because he's supposed to be like from a humble farmer and yet he's acting like he's from the higher end of society. Just, I really do appreciate all that's done in Nichijo. I'm kind of sad that the author hasn't done any more work since then because I looked him up. It seems like all he did was Nichijo and Helvetica Standard. So I, so I guess it's it's no surprise that this show would come as a revive from me. Jay, what what are your thoughts? Should this uh, show be revived or reburied? Yeah, I have a lot more to say about it. So okay. uh, we might go a little bit over, but that's okay. Because I want to say that this has so much way of the house husband vibes to it that I love it <laughs> so much. That you mean house husband has Nichijou vibes? 
Nietzsche either Joe way, came first. Either ah. way. <laughs> either way. It's that, it's the, yeah, so you said, yeah, the juxtaposition of he's a Yakuza or ex-Yakuza, but then he's excelling at all these house husband duties and the absurdity of scenes where, like, he's, his wife forgets her bento box and then he's like, oh, epicness, I'm going to put on my apron and get on this bike and pedal to work for her. Or there's like a birthday party scene and like the cops invade and there's a slow escalation to the comedy as it's revealed like, oh no, we're not doing anything, officer kind of thing. And so it's that oh, most yeah. recently. How they basically thought that him selling oregano to his buddy was like a, a marijuana deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what is this? Why does it smell like that? Sir, it's officer, it's oregano. No, but we saw you making a deal. Yeah, for oregano. But yeah, it's like small moments like that of the absurdity of everyday life. And I also saw this in an anime back in 2014 called Seiki-kun, Master of Killing Time. And that was a lot of vignettes about essentially a student sitting in the back of the class and he hates school. So he basically spends his time doing different little activities on his desk and the girl next to him is trying to bust him. So it's a very same yeah. similar situation of comedy where it's a school setting. It's students trying to be ordinary, but there's some kind of assert absurdity going on. And you already mentioned daily life of high school boys I also think about my name is Sakamoto, which is kind of the same sense of absurd comedy. I just keep saying absurd, but mm -hmm. it's so surreal in how it executes its comedy, Nichijo, is that you're never lost. You're never too detached. So that's why I'm thinking about what about in the later episodes makes it inconsistent because there's a constant flow of realism to this because they do show the town in this photorealistic asides like they do take like a lot of pauses like they even break from like what's going on in the main focus of the story to do the side story of Helvetica so but, but, but I think that those breaks give you some time to breathe and give you some time to appreciate the spurts of comedy and you you were talking about other animes that can compare to Nichijou. Uh, I would be remiss if I, uh, I I forgot this this anime until you mentioned it earlier. Uh, Lucky Star. I heard that when this anime came out, everybody compared it to Lucky Star because this was essentially girls in high school doing things too. For instance, they when you, when you mentioned the sausage, just something everyday life. You have the opening scene in Lucky Star where you have these girls asking how to eat this sort of pastry where uh, this one girl, every time she takes a bite of it, it, it's filled with like chocolate or jelly or something. Every time she takes a bite on one end, the chocolate comes out. So she turns it over. She licks it. She goes back and she bites it. And then she realizes that, you know, there's more than one way to do it. And you learn about that in a very funny fashion. So it seems as though that a lot of people think of Nichijou as Lucky Star's spiritual successor, even though it might have been uh, five years or so after the fact. Well, it also doesn't help that they have the same director, the same series oh, director. Oh, they do? So it does have okay. – yeah. So whenever a director kind of puts their stamp on 
a project, you do kind of see those parallels. But the director of this series did K-On, Clan Ad, Lucky Star. So he is a in-house director for KyoAni or Kyoto Animation. So, of okay. course, they do have the same feel to them. So same comedy, maybe same writing, same direction, especially direction. But yeah, so even if like people say, oh, this is just a lucky star, but in a different skin. Well, yes, that's how creators work. But anyways, that's, uh, <laughs> that's kind of like one of those uh, critiques that doesn't really stand up. That's like one of those uneducated things. Oh, like this group of people doing something that another group of people did. Oh, my gosh kind of thing but what? just the explosions in a michael bay movie absurd <laughs> yes i know right man this transformer movie looked like this transformer movie what's <laughs> going on here but yeah um so to talk about just you know why we do the 10 episode uh, 10 year review is that this is for sure a resurrect for me as well sam because there is something that some series can't really capture. I think we saw this recently in, well, not even recently, I guess it was half a year ago now. Wow, it was actually more than a year ago now, but when we talked about Katana Gatari, where, I don't know, I'm sorry, thinking about uh, Tatami Galaxy is that you get a very strong sense of the world outside of the characters, that the characters do make up the world, but it is important to know that where people are reflect who they are, essentially. Uh, same thing as with Diamonds is Unbreakable, is that the city or the town, that small town that is the feature for all these uh, extraordinary individuals with stand powers and like a serial killer, does matter because everything is ordinary until you look at the extraordinary part of it and that juxtaposition is what stands out so niki joe nichi joe my ordinary life does that in spades so i'm going to say resurrect you says resurrect so that is basically it anything you want to say before we close up the episode sam all i have is sarama tingaru 